Welcome to The Prevention Perspective, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about violence prevention work. The topics discussed in this podcast, including healthy relationships, prevention practices, and dating or sexual violence can be difficult, and we urge you to listen with care. Our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals. If you or someone you care about have experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can also find more resources in the description of this podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Prevention Perspective. This is Tracy DeMarcus, your host, um, Prevention Program Manager at the WCA. And I was so excited to have a couple of members of our clinical team in the studio with me last week to talk about mental health. May is recognized as Mental Health Awareness Month. And the conversation was just so amazing that I could not get it edited down into one episode. So I just couldn't cut anything out. So we will be splitting this episode into a two-part series, which just means you'll have to keep listening to hear the rest of our conversation. But for now, please enjoy the first installment of our discussion with Caitlin and Jen, two of the amazing clinicians that we get to work with here at the WCA. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Prevention Perspective. My name is Tracy DeMarcus. I'm the Prevention Program Manager at the WCA. And I am super excited to have a couple of guests in the studio today who also are wonderful colleagues um, and do amazing work uh, with me at the WCA. We have Caitlin and Jen, two um, team members of our clinical team, and I'll let them introduce themselves uh, here in a minute. But we are going to be addressing all things um, mental health and prevention um, as May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, so a particularly important topic to um, to discuss and to be having conversations about. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thanks, Tracy. Um, Caitlin, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Um, yeah, my name is Caitlin Lanier, and I'm the children's therapist here at the WCA, and I've been here for just a little bit over a year. Cool. And my name's Jen. Um, I am also a clinician here. I mainly work with adults. Um, I think we are both licensed master's social workers in our our positions here. And um, I've also been here just a little bit over a year. Awesome. Well, I'm so grateful to have you both um, as coworkers and colleagues, um, but also to have you on the podcast and talk a little bit about mental health today. I think it would be cool, though, if you wanted to share maybe like your why, like why do you work in this field or, um, you know, why maybe did you choose to go into the counseling profession? Um, Either of you want to share with us? (laughs) Um, I can go first. Um, I would say like I've always just been um, really passionate just about social justice issues and Um, just how we as a society can change to be more just and fair to all people. And 
anyway, I went back to school, went into social work, um, and then I actually interned here at the WCA when I was working on my master's degree and then went out and worked in other places after graduating. But this work just always, um, you know, kind of pulls me back in. Like I'm just, I would say so passionate about working with families and working with kids in particular. Um, and I think for me anyway, I think it's so important to be offering mental health services for kids because often mental health issues can start really early. And I think it's helpful to have early intervention in those places to hopefully just kind of set kids up for success later on in life, or at least let them know that, you know, kind of treating mental health issues can kind of be like, you know, going to the mechanic for your car. Like you might not always be needing to visit the mechanic, but it's important to like go back, revisit it when things are coming up um, and just have kind of like regular check-ins just to make sure that everything is um, just on a healthy trajectory moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of setting that standard when they're young that like, yeah, it's okay to seek mental health um, care when you need it. Just like going to the doctor if you exactly. break your arm or your leg, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's so cool. What about you, Jen? That's such a question, the why. Um, I have also always been interested in this work. I think just through personal and family experiences as a kid, I was always very interested in mental health Um And so I think that naturally assumed, oh, if you want to work in that, you study like psychology. Mm. Um, But then similarly to Caitlin was so drawn to the more social justice, looking at, you know, the whole person in their place in society and just how all of those factors also impact our mental health. Yeah. Was Mm -hmm. so interesting to me that social work felt like such a better fit than, you know, maybe like psych or counseling or one of those types of degrees. And so... Um, was, yeah, just really happy to get onto that track as I think both of us use that framework in our counseling style of really like the person within the larger environment. Um, And then this work in particular, you know, here at the WCA, I did a lot of sexual assault advocacy work in my undergrad. um, And then similarly went off and worked in other fields, worked in, you know, the addiction field with teenagers. But I think just always kept seeing how trauma and specifically specifically around sexual violence was impacting people in all of those other areas. It was yeah. like it always came back to these past traumas people had experienced. And um, so, yeah, felt similarly kind of to be drawn back to this field again and again, yeah. um, which was kind of what led me um, to doing this specific position at the WCA. Cool. Yeah, I think a lot of people in this field have a similar experience or like once you start working in, you know, domestic violence, sexual violence, or like gender-based violence in general, like you start to recognize how many other other things are impacted by those. Like I started um, right out of college at a it was an evening reporting center for youth. So like mm. an after school program that some kids were like court mandated to come to. Um, other kids just wanted to wanted to come and, um, you know, working with the kids in this group or this after school program, like going back to 
so I, I became an advocate and then I went back actually to to the program and was like recognizing like, oh, mm. that's what's going on with this kiddo. Is yes. like, this is the home life that they're experiencing or this is the past that they have, have gone through. And it was just really eye-opening because that was not something I had thought about really when I was doing that. But then, um, yeah, you really get your eyes opened um, and realize mm-hmm. how impactful um, gender-based violence is in our world and with the people that we care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. You know, I actually had kind of a similar experience. I was working in a, a drug and alcohol recovery program, and um, occasionally the groups we would run would be broken out, you know, male, female. Mm-hmm. And I was working with this female group, um, and we were doing this activity on resilience where everyone was sharing you know, maybe a past hard experience they'd been through and then kind of connecting it to things on resilience. And um, I was so struck at this group every two weeks and every single time there'd be maybe 15 women sitting in there who had been through years of addiction potentially Mm -hmm. and all of these hard challenges through that experience. But almost every time, every single person would share about a sexual violence incident mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and to just sit there in that room and see like every single time in the space that like that is the hard experience that people are bringing up yeah um was just so striking of how particularly how like trauma and substance use are so correlated yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah so i think once you like you're saying once you've have done this work you just see it everywhere yeah mm-hmm. and then it's all connected right? yeah and then you can't like treat one exactly. thing and not acknowledge mm-hmm. or be also treating um the underlying trauma yes um for sure yes um so i want to just open up by saying like there's an inherent avoidance for people to talk about things like mental health, like relationship violence or sexual violence. Um, And I just want to open up with like, why, why do people tend to avoid those conversations or why do they feel like that's something they can't talk about? Um, And how can we kind of move past that? Yeah. um, I, I just think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about mental health in general and there, I think you just, you see a lot of perceptions like, oh, like if you have mental health challenges, it's because you're weak mm-hmm. or like something's wrong with you or, or maybe you're like dramatizing things or exaggerating yeah. what you're going through. And so like all, and then I think what comes with that too is then if people are saying like, oh, you're weak, then it's just a matter of like, you need to just kind of think differently or think better thoughts. Or if you're dealing with anxiety, just stop worrying. Right. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like, I think if, if it were that simple, I'm sure people would have already yeah, done that and so. have <laughs> some success. We wouldn't that. have jobs, right? <laughs> yeah. It was that easy. Yeah. <laughs> totally. We would be like doing something very different, <laughs> gardening or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> or even I think with like what Jen was talking about with substance use and stuff like that, I think mm-hmm. people with that too might think like it's just a lack of like impulse control or it's poor self-control mm-hmm. or something like that. And so with all of that too, I think it reduces really complex issues to really simplistic solutions. And so I think people kind of internalize that and feel like 
you know, if other people are thinking this is so simple, like, why can't I overcome this? And certainly, like, I don't want to be talking about this or sharing this with other people if mm. I'm just going to be handed really easy, like, don't worry or just get over it type yeah. of um, solutions to the problem. Absolutely. Yeah, really just like boiling these really complex things down to very like individualistic, like blame, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's because of you as an individual or like your biology or your thinking or whatever, when really there's like so many other things that impact, um, yeah, a person when it comes to their mental health or their relational health or, um, substance use, like, there's so many complex things that go into that and to just boil it down to one individual, you know, characteristic is, um, it's really like harmful. Besides like putting that person in a place where there's just, there's no winning. Like you can't mm-hmm. win in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think what you just said, Tracy is kind of what I, what we were talking about at the beginning of that model of like the training we both have in social work of looking at not just the person and their Mm -hmm. own individual biological, you know, whatever it may be traits, but like that and what is happening in the larger society that we know impacts mental health is really the perspective I think that we take in our work. And part of looking at that is like, well, what's happening in our culture is that we just have this norm of not talking about mental health and that starts mm. so early right like it's not talked about enough in in schools and media um sometimes even just within you know certain families and and community groups and so that then is just really teaching the message to everyone from a pretty young age of well if we don't talk about this it must be because there it's inherently shameful there's something mm-hmm. wrong with it Um, and that just kind of perpetuates throughout our lifetimes. And so I think that people get the message pretty early on in our culture that this is something to be embarrassed about. Um, and, and when you say like, how can we change that? I think conversations like this, right? Like just Mm -hmm. talking about it, um, the more, and as Caitlin was saying, the earlier on that kids can hear this, that people can talk about it and just kind of normalize it. I think is is a good place to start, at least for how we change that norm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, and I'm I'm thinking too in terms of you know you're talking about as a social worker, recognizing you know the whole person and all of their experiences, um, and that's really similar to the model that we use for prevention, right? Um, yeah, yes. we we operate within like the social ecological model, yes. which encompasses you know we can't we can't deny that there are individual characteristics that might impact somebody experiencing violence but there's also you know the relational and community and society level influences that if we don't take all of that into account like we're never gonna prevent violence from actually happening and Mm so um i just think it's really cool that those those things are really parallel in in terms of how they're um how they're addressed and um and yeah i'm just really really grateful for for both of you doing the work in the way that you do and um and taking that into account for your clients and for the folks that we work with 
So I hope you enjoyed the first part of our conversation with Jen and Caitlin. The next part of this episode will be released on Tuesday, June 8th. So please come back to hear the rest. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to our podcast on whatever podcasting platform you use. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Prevention Perspective. Again, if you or someone you know has experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233, or you can call the WCA's 24-hour hotline at 208-343-7025. Don't forget to follow us on social media at WCA underscore Boise and WCA Youth Reps. If you have any suggestions for topics you would like us to cover or get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, contact us through the email provided in the description of the podcast. I hope it will help you to do a better job.